The other night, Denise and I watched uh, one of the uh, Academy Award nominees for Best Picture. I think they were nominated for other movie uh, awards as well. But uh, it has become, in recent time, one of my mean, most meaningful movies because it speaks to so many of the questions of life. And what we watched was the Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, it's a powerful, powerful movie about two guys, Colin, played by Brendan Gleeson, and Podrick, played by Colin Farrell. They used to be best friends, drinking buddies. They spent nearly every day together. Then seemingly out of nowhere, Colin told Patrick that he did not want to be friends anymore. Why? I just don't like you no more. But there was more to it than that. There is a melancholy burning deep inside Colin. There is within him the sense that time is running out and he wanted to make something of his life. I'm going to show you a video that has a couple of Irish-sounding F-words. But when you say it with an Irish accent, it just doesn't sound as bad. <laughs> so we didn't bleep it out. But it's, uh, they're at the bar, and Colin is telling Padraig what his heart's desire is to uh, be remembered for something. And... Uh, I think you will feckin' like it. <laughs> that's good. Here it is. Gosh, that's kind of powerful to me. You know, I want to just get this out right now in case you have to leave for whatever reason. Niceness does last. I really think it does. And that really is all I wanted to say this morning. <laughs> that is the whole teaching in essence right there. So we, we can all just go eat brunch. But the film does ask an existential question. What is the point of living? And it, the film seems to suggest that we need to accept the fact that asking the question is kind of an absurd act. About 500 years BCE, there was another character in a story who was asking the same question, what is the point of living? And this man in that story, 500 years BCE, comes to the same conclusion that to ask the question is kind of absurd. Now, if you think that Banshees of Incheren is kind of a sad, weird movie, then this book you will find is sad and weird. And this book is in the Hebrew Scripture. It's called Ecclesiastes. The two characters in these works of art both find themselves in despair. They come to the same conclusion that you are going to die and no one is going to remember you. Now, for the living know that they will die, but the dead do not know anything. They have no further reward and even the memory of them disappears. It's a sobering thought that after you're gone, at least for a thousand years, a hundred years, maybe 50 years, nobody will remember you. Maybe after 10 years or after one year. I mean, can anybody name 
their great-great-grandmother. Don't cheat by looking at Ancestry.com. There are a few that can. I can't. Who is she, niece? You remember? Denise has been on Ancestry.com, but I don't remember my great-great-grandmother's name. I don't remember what she was about. I don't remember what she did, what she was the most proud of. I just don't. Hmm. Now, you would think that we would remember family. You would think we would remember celebrities, but we don't even remember celebrities very well. Does anybody remember Tippy Hedron? Some do. Does anybody under 50 remember Tippy Hedron? <laughs> no. Yeah, psycho. Anybody remember? Most of us would remember Cary Grant, I would think. Even under 50, maybe. But you'd think we'd remember celebrities, but not even them. We remember very well. So Colum says to his ex-friend, so we'll keep aimlessly chatting and my life will keep on dwindling. And in 12 years, I'll die with nothing to show for it. Bar the chats I've had with a limited man. Is that it? So very sad. This character says, for the fate of humans and the fate of animals are the same. As one dies, so dies the other. Both have the same breath. There is no advantage for humans over animals, for both are fleeting. Both go to the same place. Both come from the dust and to dust. They will return. My dad pastored First Baptist in Little Rock for 19 years, and there was on the wall of a hallway uh, photographs of all the pastors since the inception of First Baptist Little Rock, and of course since dad retired years ago and then passed away. Uh, I, I think after dad uh, retired, they took all those pictures down, but there were, uh, there were probably 40 different pastors, and uh, mostly forgotten. You know, at the time that they were pastoring, they were, for the most part, I think, loved and impactful. But as years pass, they're just forgotten. We do the same thing with, with presidents. You know, we know a few presidents, but we don't know all of them at all. And at the time in which they served, wow, everybody knew them. But how quickly they are forgotten. So the idea that from this message of Ecclesiastes is that we're all just going to die and nobody's going to remember us, that's the main reason why you never hear Ecclesiastes read at a wedding. <laughs> I do use... Some passages in Ecclesiastes at funerals at times, I try to put a spin on it though, because the recurring message of Ecclesiastes is, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun, so every activity at all, and all of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I grew up with the King James Version, and that word meaningless is translated by the King James as vanity, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The word does mean literally absurd, senseless. And the companion phrase 
too meaningless or vanity is that chasing after the wind. What do you get when you chase after wind? Exhausted. That's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah, you can't catch it. If you do, you got nothing. Chasing after wind gets us nowhere. Now, the Hebrew word for that meaningless right there is the word hebel. The main meaning of hebel is breath. Uh, is not the breath that we read about when God breathed into humanity, Adam, and uh, the story of Adam and Eve, the mother of the living, uh, I believe is a myth that just, because the word Adam means humanity, and it's just a, a way for us to understand their understanding of beginning, but God breathed into humanity, and that word for breathe or the word for breath, there is ruach. And it's a very different word than what we see here. The word habel, uh, habel rather, means it's almost like that vapor that comes out of your mouth on a cold day when you breathe. And James talks about that same breath, that same vapor, when he actually says in the Christian scripture that we are but a vapor that uh, passes away in the heat of the day. So really what the writer here is saying is that everything is habel. It is a chasing after the ruach, a chasing after the breath. Now, Ecclesiastes uses this word habel way more than any other book in the scripture. But the first time you will read about it is in the story of, the gen- of Genesis, uh, the story of Two sons. Now, let me say the word for meaningless again, and you guess possibly the character who has named this. Hebel. Does that sound like any Old Testament character? Abel. Exactly. That's the Hebrew word, Hebel. So what happened to Abel? He was murdered at a very young age by his brother, Cain. Life is hebel. Life is fleeting. Life is not fair. Abel did everything right. Abel pleased God. And what did he get for it? Murderous hate from his brother. That's what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying. It's just meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. You can do the right thing. You can cross all the T's and dot all the I's and you can follow all the rules and it just gets you nowhere. The book of Proverbs in chapter 31 has this phrase, that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. Beauty is habel. Is beauty bad? No, of course not. Is beauty meaningless? Uh, We could debate that, I guess. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But I think what the writer is saying is that beauty, or how a culture defines beauty, is very fleeting. And I realize that every time I look in the mirror and I compare a picture of myself as a child or as a young adult to where I am right now. So the idea of Hebel is that it is a vapor, It is smoke, it is a mirage, 
The writer is not saying that everything is bad or that everything is pointless. He's just saying that everything is barely there. It's all fleeting. Here are some of the things that the writer of Ecclesiastes say are habel, meaningless. He says, then I use my mind to understand what it really means to be wise. I wanted to know what foolish pleasure is all about, but I found out that it's also like chasing after the wind. I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. This was a verse that was often taught from uh, by youth directors, youth pastors in my childhood to discourage us from going after sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> Don't chase after pleasure. And the only three, the trinity of pleasure, were sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Everything else is okay. Just stay away from those three things. And uh, I just loved each one of them, really. So, <laughs> never did the drugs and didn't do the sex until Denise and I got married. So anyway, that's a side no comment there. I don't know why I even said that. <laughs> but what I want us to understand from that is that that's not what the writer of Ecclesiastes is talking about. He's not talking about the things that Christian preachers used to preach against. He's talking about the good things of life. Things that universally are uh, loved and valued. Art. And Denise and I went uh, again one day this week down to um, Bentonville to Crystal Bridges. Uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor was speaking uh, to a group of people, and we got to go and hear that. And then we just love going through the museum and appreciating the beauty of art and the message of art. Uh, what are some good things that meet, that speak to you that are beautiful? Can you just pop popcorn mention those? Nature, okay. Anything else? The solar eclipse. Oh my gosh, yes. Good food. Yeah. Your children. Yeah, and family. All good things. You say peaches? Peaches. I love that. Yeah. Thank you, Nisi. I like peaches too. I especially like peaches on the beaches <laughs> with all the sneeches. Yeah. We, what was that? Wiener dogs. <laughs> Wiener dogs. Now you're talking, aren't you? Well, the writer says all of those good things have meaningless vanity. Even work is meaningless, it's a chasing after the wind. Working doesn't pay off. Pursuing pleasure is pointless. And even wanting to be wise and smart, the result of wanting to be wise, wanting to be smart and knowledgeable, the writer says, leads to two things. It just leads to sadness. And it's just pointless because you're wise, you're going to die just like the fool is going to die. 
There's no benefit, he says. Everything is meaningless, vanity of vanities. Now, I know you're thinking, this is church. Philip, you're a preacher. And so uh, you're going to tell us in just a minute that if this person just had God in his life, then everything would be fine, and all of his questions would be answered, and he would have purpose and meaning in life. You've heard enough sermons, haven't you, that you know the sales pitch. That's not what I'm selling today. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you will discover that this guy knew God. This book talks a lot about God. So the problem was not that he didn't know God. The problem was, this is not a life without God. This is a life with God, and he still felt meaningless. I wonder why. I think that the God that this writer, that this character is experiencing is not the God to whom he was introduced. He was introduced to a God who operated on the basis that the righteous are rewarded and the wicked suffer. And he wasn't seeing that. He was introduced to a God who would never let you down. And he wasn't seeing that. His character was deconstructing. His faith was shifting. He was reshaping this thing about God. And he was telling God all of this. He was telling God what he was feeling, what he was thinking, how frustrated he was with not just life. See, the problem with this guy was not life. The problem for this guy was God. That God was the problem. And he was telling this to God. What that tells me is that instead of a preacher telling you that you ought to squash your questions and that you ought to squash your doubts, what preachers need to tell you is ask them, feel them, express them. Don't be ashamed of them. Don't be afraid of them. Don't try to hide them under a bushel. This book in Scripture tells us that if we are in despair, if we are going through a faith shift, that if we are doubting, we are questioning, we are not alone. It's an old story. And I am so thankful that the editors of Scripture decided to include this story in this book. So where is the hope in all this? I can't just have us go and eat lunch. <laughs> so what are we supposed to do? Well, Ecclesiastes does not tell us everything will be okay. Ecclesiastes does not tell us, <laughs> I almost said something and I stopped myself, but I'll go ahead and say it. 
God, the Ecclesiastes does not tell us that the toe will grow back. <laughs> the toe can grow back. But God, Ecclesiastes doesn't tell us that it will. I've stood at the head of a grave of too many people, too many teenagers, too many newborns. Holding the hands and using my shoulder as a pillow for a dad and a mom to cry on. Ecclesiastes does not tell us that everything will work out. There will be sickness and there will be pain and there will be death. So the writer comes to a conclusion that I will pass on to you. The end of the matter, after all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments. That is the whole duty of everyone. I remember reading this when I was young, junior high, and uh, I only saw fear in one way, as being afraid. And that's how the word fear was taught to me. Rabbi Alan Liu, however, says this. What this Hebrew word for fear means is that the fear that comes upon us when we inhabit a space that is larger than we're used, we're used to inhabiting, where we're in the presence of something sacred or divine, when Denise and I stood above the Grand Canyon, we experienced fear. Watching a sunset or the sunrise on the East Coast of the Atlantic. That's awe, that's fear. Standing in a space that is beyond ourselves. It is, <gasps> wow. It's a wow moment. And then there's a second part. And keep his commandments. So as a kid, growing up into a high schooler, and then I went to college and I began to be better at thinking on my own, it was be afraid of God, don't let God catch you having sex, especially don't let Jesus catch you having sex when he comes back. Really, that was the only thing that kept me a virgin, the fear that Jesus would catch me. Jesus knows nothing about sex and keep his commandments that's just a harsh way to develop a spirituality and it's a very counterproductive way to an unsuccessful way to build a love relationship with a creator so let's think about these keep the commandments in the light of Jesus what commandments would Jesus tell us to keep? Ah, how about that? Really, that's what 
Moses told the people too, it was all summed up. Jesus was quoting, quoting Moses here, love God, love others as you love yourself. And he says, all the law, everything in the Hebrew scriptures, and this is what the Hebrew prophets were telling us, don't worry about all these commands, just do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. They all hang on these commands. And everything do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. It's all right there. The command is to love. Love your neighbor just as you love yourself. So my message that I receive from Ecclesiastes is that life is not fair. Life does not always work out. Stuff happens. But keep going. As Winston Churchill says, when you're going through hell, keep going. So find something in your day that inspires you, that gives you awe. Nature, a work of art, a song, a cup of coffee, and the quietness of the morning. Find it and just be with it. Be with that moment. Be in that moment. Be with that expression that pulls out of you that awe. I really do think that when we're spiritually aware that no matter what is happening around us, we will feel a connection with the divine. And we will be aligned with the force of life and always just love, just love. Author Mandy Hale says, be good to people. You will be remembered more for your kindness than any level of success could attain. Love people and just be kind good way to live your life.